from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. As people of faith, we all strive to live meaningful lives. But if you are like me, sometimes life can feel anything but that. Life can be busy and messy, and we can get lost in the material and mundane parts of living. On today's podcast, I want to talk about how we can bridge the gap between the spiritual life we want to live and the material life we can't escape. We'll take a look at the story of Jacob's dream in the book of Genesis, and we'll uncover the secret to connecting heaven and earth. Your life is exactly as it should be. And with the right mindset, everything we do and every minute that we breathe can be meaningful, spiritual, and extraordinary. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Vayetze, which means, and he went out, and it covers Genesis 28.10 through 32.3. At the end of last week's Parsha, Isaac commanded Jacob not to marry a Canaanite woman and to travel to the home of Rebekah's brother, Laban, to find a wife. This week's Parsha picks up there when Jacob set out on his journey. Today, I want to begin with the first few verses from this week's reading. They're from Genesis 28, verses 10, 11, and 12, and I'll read them to you. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. These verses describe Jacob's famous dream when he saw a vision of a ladder spanning heaven and earth with angels going up and down on it. There are so many beautiful ideas about the meaning of Jacob's dream, which we know is so deep and is there to teach us The imagery of a ladder reaching the heavens and rooted on earth has inspired so many rich teachings in all faiths. And within Judaism, there are many explanations as well. Today, we are going to explore just one of those teachings. But before we do that, I want us to look at the context of this important night in Jacob's life. What happened before Jacob left his hometown and what happened afterwards are really important clues to what God wanted to tell him and why specifically now at this point in his life. According to Jewish tradition, when Isaac told Jacob to find a wife outside of Canaan, Jacob didn't go to his uncle's house right away. First, he went to the academy of Shem and Eber, a seminary set up by the grandson of Noah for the study of ethics and monotheism. Jacob stayed there for 14 years in order to focus on spiritual growth and his relationship with God. After those 14 years steeped in spirituality, Jacob was about to begin a very different phase of his life. 
He was about to get married, start a family, and spend his days earning a living so that he could support a family. He was entering a much more physical and material part of his life after 14 years, totally engulfed in his spiritual well-being. It was at this critical juncture that Jacob had this dream. And the message of the dream was exactly what he needed at that moment in time. What was God telling Jacob by showing him a ladder between heaven and earth? That heaven and earth, the spiritual realm and the physical realm, are not two separate entities. Jacob wasn't leaving the world of spirituality for a world of physicality. Rather, the two realms are connected and can become one. Mankind has the opportunity and the responsibility to be a bridge between heaven and earth. Our job is to bring down heaven to earth and to elevate everything on earth towards the heavens. So many people live their lives as though the spiritual realm and the material realm are two different planets. You can be in one place or the other, but never both at the same time. Some people go to church or to synagogue and feel so connected and committed to God, but then they go home and leave God behind. When we are in our places of worship, we sing holy songs. We pray and declare our faith in God. But then, a few hours later, or a few days later, when a challenge comes up, where is all that faith? Did we leave it at church? Or maybe someone goes to work and they are dishonest in their business dealings or unkind to their colleagues. Where is God now? Where is the devotion to him? Bringing heaven down to earth means bringing God with us wherever we go, to our workplaces, into our homes, into our most intimate relationships, to the grocery store, to the gym, and into our cars when we sit in traffic. Wherever we go, we should act in a way that reflects our faith with kindness, honesty, and trust in God. By the way, that's exactly the purpose of a yarmulke, a kippah, the skull caps that you might have seen that Orthodox Jews wear. It's a reminder always that there is someone, God, above us, and that he is with us at all times. That no matter where we go, we are bringing him into our lives and actions. When we live our physical lives according to our spiritual values— we create a kinder and more godly world. We bring heaven down to earth. But while some people make the mistake of leaving God at church or synagogue, other people make the mistake of thinking we should never leave church or synagogue or places of worship in the first place. Let me explain what I mean. Have you ever felt guilty about being too much a part of the material world? Sometimes we might wonder, do I work too much? Do I spend enough time with God? Should I be living a different kind of life altogether? Is this life with work and kids and hardly any time to sit still in prayer, is this the life that God really wants for me? Well, let me tell you, my friends, the answer is yes. This physical life is exactly what God wants for us. 
There is no shortage of angels in heaven. God doesn't need us in heaven. He wants us to live here on earth and to make it holy, to take our bodies and our souls and to sanctify this world through our actions. When I was younger, I used to hear about people who went to India for months or years to sit and meditate all day. And I remember thinking, wow, that's amazing. That person is really spiritual. But now I understand that sitting on a mountaintop away from society can make you feel close to God, but I don't believe it's what living a spiritual life is all about. Like Jacob's ladder, we need to be rooted on earth if we want to reach the heavens. God wants us to live in the physical world with all of its messiness and to elevate it. We reach heaven not in spite of the material world, but through the material world. But you might be asking, how do we do that? How can we make our material life a spiritual experience? Well, it's not so difficult. We do it by bringing God into every aspect of our lives. Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, an 18th century teacher and leader, once asked his students, where is God? He didn't answer. God is in the synagogue or even God is everywhere. You know what he answered? He said, God is wherever we let him in. The rabbi was saying that everything we do can be holy, l'shem shamayim, in the name of the Lord, if we allow God to be part of it. I remember when I first became a mother, those first weeks and months are so incredibly busy. All I did was feed the baby, change the diapers, and try to take care of my own physical needs. It's exhausting and beautiful, but there's very little time for anything else aside from taking care of physical needs. There's no time for long prayer sessions, no time for Bible study classes, and if you have kids, I think you'll know exactly what I mean. But I remembered a story I once heard about a pious woman who used to pause before going into her baby's room and say to herself a really short prayer. I am about to fulfill God's commandment to love others. This reminded her that being immersed in the physicality of motherhood wasn't separate from spirituality, but exactly a manifestation of it. When I would wake up in the middle of the night for my own baby, completely exhausted, I would say to myself, this too is holy work. This is what God wants from me reminded me that God is with me and that taking care of my baby was the holiest thing I could do at that moment. And it transformed a very physical time in my life into a very close encounter with God. By bringing God into every part of life, even the most mundane parts of life can be holy and extraordinary Listen to Jacob's reaction when he woke up from his dream, having learned exactly this lesson. Genesis 28, 16 tells us that he said, 
Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. What Jacob was saying was, wow, God is here too. God is in every place, even the most unlikely places. When Jacob had this dream, he was just on the road, far away from the seminary where he learned and the spiritual life that he left behind. But it's at this moment that he learned that God was in that place too. He just needed to become aware of it. In the same way, it's our awareness of God that makes all the difference in the meaning of our lives. Two people can live identical lives, but one person is living a holy life while the other person leads a much more material existence. On the outside, their lives might look exactly the same. They both wake up, go to the gym, eat, go to work, take care of their kids, pay their bills, take care of their houses. But you know what? It's what's on the inside that makes all the difference. Why do they eat? Why do they exercise? Why do they work? The person that does all of these physical things for the sake of serving God with the intention of being holy lives a spiritual life, even though it's exactly the same as someone who does the very same things, but for purely physical purposes. Whether or not we lead spiritual and meaningful lives is always our choice. I'll give you an example of what I mean. A few years ago, my sister and her husband were visiting Israel, and I invited them to join me at the airport to greet a plane full of olim, Jewish immigrants that the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews was bringing home to Israel. As always, the experience was amazing. There is nothing quite like seeing biblical prophecy before your very eyes, Seeing the ingathering of the exiles, just as God promised in the Bible, is something I'll never get tired of watching. And the experience is even more meaningful knowing that these immigrants are now safe because they are in Israel. When they faced anti-Semitism, poverty, or sometimes both in the countries that they came from, they're finally home in Israel, the land of their soul and the land of their ancestors. After watching the new immigrants disembark from the plane, kiss the ground of Israel and dance and sing with joy, my sister and her husband were in tears. They were so moved. But then my brother-in-law looked a little bit sad. He turned to me and he said, you are so lucky that this is what you get to be part of every day. He said, I work in the finance industry, and compared to what you do, it just feels so meaningless. I'm not doing anything worthwhile. When I look at these Jewish people coming home because of the fellowship, I look at it that my work is not so holy, but you're doing such holy work every single day. I was really, really taken back. I never thought about it that way at all. My sister and her husband both work really hard. They are very successful at what they do, and they are also extremely charitable. So I said to my brother-in-law, it's not true at all. Your work is also holy. When you tithe your money and give it to charity, then all the work you do to earn a salary is also holy work. Those immigrants who came to Israel were only able to come because of people like you, 
who worked hard and gave some of their hard-earned money to the fellowship so that we could bring these Jewish people home. We are all part of this holy work. So my friends, it all comes down to something so simple. Why we do what we do and what we do with what we have. Do we eat to live or do we live to eat? Do we eat in order to be strong and healthy to serve God? Do we thank God for our food? If we say grace before we eat, then eating is not just a physical act. It is a spiritual one too. Do we work just so that we have money to buy things we don't even need? Or do we work so that we can share in what we have with people in need? When we give charity, all of the work we do to earn money is holy work. We can literally reframe everything that we do in life in the context of serving God. Even sleeping can actually be an act of service to God if our intention is to rest that we are refreshed and able to serve God when we wake up in the morning. We can change the meaning of our lives simply by reframing everything that we do with our lives. I once heard a story about a great rabbi who spent his days teaching and studying the word of God at a school that he established. Every evening, he took a cab back home. One night, as the rabbi was on his way home, he turned to his taxi driver and said, I'm jealous of you. The taxi driver turned around and said, Jealous of me? I just drive a taxi all day long. Well, the taxi driver couldn't understand what the rabbi was jealous of. He spent every day of his life in a car shuttling people from one end of town to the other and earned just enough money to get by. It wasn't like he was a successful businessman who lived a luxurious lifestyle or an accomplished doctor who saved lives every day. What was there to be jealous of? The rabbi answered, All day long you are involved in taking people to the places they need to go. You get to do great acts of kindness for others all day long, and that's why I'm jealous of you. You help people. What the rabbi was really saying to the taxi driver is, I know that you think your job is meaningless and that you are stuck doing it because you have bills to pay and a family to feed, but I want you to know that your job is extremely meaningful and even holy. You are so fortunate. What the rabbi taught the taxi driver is a lesson that we can all benefit from. How often do we think things that we do are meaningless tasks that we wish we didn't have to do? Making the bed, sweeping the floor, folding the laundry, I can go on all day. Maybe you even feel that way about the job you have. I'm pretty sure that the person who picks up your garbage isn't too excited about his job. But what if we reframed everything that we do so that instead of seeming mundane, it could all be transformed into holy work. What if making our bed first thing in the morning was a way of thanking God for a new day and a fresh start? What if doing laundry and sweeping the floors, being kind to yourself and others, taking care of your home, your temple, and creating a space where people can thrive and feel good? Wow, that feels nice. And what if your job is a chance to serve others, even if your job is picking up garbage? Whether you operate a garbage pickup truck or simply pick up the garbage your family leaves behind. Remember the first thing that the priest did in the Holy Temple in Jerusalem? 
It was to clear out the garbage from the previous day. That, too, is holy work. Like Jacob's ladder, we are rooted on earth, but we also reach the heavens. We are body and soul. Our work on this earth is holy, too. In Proverbs 3, 6, we read, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. If we bring God into everything we do, he will help us with everything we do. This week, ask yourselves how you can transform everything you do into service of God. Can you pause before you eat, sleep, or take care of another physical need and set an intention to do those things in order to serve God? Can you find a way to help others no matter what you do each day? Can you stay connected to God even during the most mundane activities in life? When we bring God everywhere with us and elevate everything that we do, our ordinary lives become extraordinary and we can experience the holiness of heaven here on earth. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.